Hey everybody, welcome to West Seattle Christian Church Online. My name is Worth. If you are new, welcome. Thanks for joining us. If not, welcome back. Before we jump in, here are just a few announcements regarding our community, whether you are a regular or have just discovered us for the first time. First, we have strategically pivoted in the last few weeks as a missional church to become a community that meets both in homes and in large gatherings. If large gatherings are like family reunions with extended family, our house churches, what we call kinfolk groups, can be described as our immediate families. And we think this fits our goal of being a family of Jesus followers that are seeking to be uh, formed into the image of Christ and to join God in the renewal of all things. So kinfolk groups meet together on Sunday mornings, uh, sometimes other times during the week, to watch the weekly sermon and discuss it, to eat and pray celebrate communion together, engage in local projects that help serve our community. So the early church understood church to be a family, and we seek to embrace one another as family, primarily through our kinfolk group approach, which offers rich opportunities to be deeply involved in the lives of other people at West Seattle Christian Church and in our larger community. So we invite you to find our upcoming schedule for our kinfolk groups and larger community gatherings on the front page of our website. To get more details on a specific kinfolk group and to sign up for one, check out that page as well on our website, and we'll see you soon. Second, be sure to save the date for our next in-person worship gathering, a large gathering, on Sunday, September 26th. You can find all the details on our weekly gatherings link online as well. We also encourage you to sign up for our next racial justice and intercultural competence learning experience on Wednesday night, September 29th from 6 to 9 p.m. in our worship center. Details are on the web or in our app as well. You can sign up. RSVPs are required. We ask that you do that. Jump on the app or on the website and take care of that, and we'll see you then. And last but not least, if you are watching this on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe as well as hit the like icon below. This will really help out our channel and help us reach more people with the gospel message of Jesus. Okay, today we are starting a new series called Freedom, the Gospel of Grace. And we're talking about the book or the letter of Galatians that Paul wrote to the church uh, in Galatia, region in the Roman Empire. And so we're going to jump right in today and read the text that is our main text. I encourage you to uh, either read along or just close your eyes and listen as we read this together. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers and sisters with me to the churches in Galatia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Okay, so... A little background. This letter is addressed to the churches in Galatia, and as I've often said before, the context matters. 
part of the context is the geography and part of the context is how these Christians live and act in the wider Roman world they are a part of. And the context these, these Christians live in in Galatia is very, very unique because throughout the, throughout the New Testament world, we interact with three different groups of people, and that's important for understanding this scripture today. The first group that you'll discover are called the brothers, and the brothers are simply the Jewish people. And what we often miss about the New Testament church is that we're dealing with a Jewish church. Many times we think the Old Testament is the Jewish part of the, of, of the scriptures, and the New Testament is the Gentile part. And, and that would be wrong. The whole Christian movement was birthed out of a Jewish movement. It's not until Acts chapter 10 that we see someone who is a Gentile become a follower of Jesus, which means all of what happens on the day of Pentecost, the fellowship of believers, and everything up until Acts chapter 10 is all Jewish. Another group you see in Acts and in other places in the New Testament is called, they are called the children of Abraham, the Benai Abraham, children of Abraham. But we, we read that today and we think, sure, those are just Jewish people too, which would also be wrong. In the first century, the children of Abraham is a particular and specific reference to a group of converts, people who were Gentiles, but somewhere along the line, they converted completely to Judaism. So they started following Torah. They got circumcised. They started wearing tassels. They started eating kosher foods. They started following all of the law. And they were, they were basically converts to Judaism. And they were called the children of Abraham. And then the third group, and in the Greek, these group, this group is called the Theosebes. Theosebes means God-fearers. And we're going to read a story today where Paul references all three groups, and then we're going to extrapolate what that means for us today and how it interacts the, the story in Acts and what we're dealing with in Galatians. And what we very often don't catch is this tension of the New Testament. The, and the tension is this influx of God-fearing Gentiles. These were people who who loved and served and worshipped the God of Israel, but they did not take on Torah, uh, all of the kosher eating, the circumcision, etc. And so this tension was present in Judaism before Jesus and the Jesus movement came along. As Jews spread out all over the Roman world, which was called the diaspora, away from Jerusalem, they were having to deal with Gentiles already who wanted to follow the God of Judaism, but they wanted to follow Adonai, but they didn't want to do certain things. So there were Jews who weren't in Jerusalem. They were living someplace else who were already asking, what do we do with the Theosebes? What do we do with the God-fearers who want to be part of our group? And there were, two, there were two different opinions that fell in line with two different rabbis who had two very different interpretations of the Torah. One was called Shammai and one was called Hillel. We've talked about them before, but Hillel's summation of the law was simply love God and love other people. It's about love. And he's the one who was more progressive. They considered him more progressive. He was focused on relationship and interacting with the Gentiles. Hillel would say to these Gentiles, these God-fearers, the Theosebes, they, that they were welcome and that if they believed in the Jewish God, Adonai, and tried to follow him, then they were welcome. They're, he was like, you're a part of us. But Shammai, the other rabbi, his summation of the law was, well, he was known for holding a yoke or an interpretation of obedience. He was more well-known for his conservative view of holding the law, the kind of the line of the law. Shammai would say to these God-fearing Jews, we're glad that you're here and that you want to worship Adonai, but you need to know right up front that none of this matters unless you become fully Jewish, unless you fully convert and become not Theosebes, God-fearers, but children of Abraham. And so unless you do that, your worship of Adonai and everything that you do is no good. And so there's this tension. 
in most of the New Testament, if you're someone who moves to Philippi or Corinth or Rome, a major Roman city, you're probably not a Shammai following Jew. You're a Hillel Jew because you wouldn't even go to these places where all of this immorality is running rampant if you were a Shammai Jew. And I bring all of this up to tell you that the most, most of the New Testament is written to a Hillel following Jewish Christian. So they're following that rabbi's interpretation, the love God and love others interpretation of, of the law. So most of the New Testament is written to people who are a little bit more open to the idea of Gentiles coming in. So realize that the message of the gospel of Jesus is a message that says those God-fearing Gentiles, not only are they loved by God and justified, but they are full-fledged children of God's family. They have a seat at the table. And by the way, for those of you who are listening to this out there or watching, that, watching this right now, that's 99% of us who are watching this, which is really good news for us. This is the gospel of Jesus that you're in. You have a seat at the table as full-fledged children of the Most High God without having to fully convert to Judaism. And so I want you to understand that when the New Testament was written, that was a very revolutionary message that you're in. However, in the region of Galatia, Galatia, the region of the Gauls, the Gauls were these people who were known for being more barbaric and primitive. Um, they are the people that uh, in the movie Gladiator, in the opening scene, the Romans are fighting the Gauls. They're like the last remnant of people who are uh, putting up a fight against the empire of Rome. And, and this group of people, they were known as the foolish Galatians. They, they are any, they're not anything like Rome, the people in Rome. This is a place that's not like Corinth or Philippi or Ephesus. They're more tribal. It's more like villages out in the country. And here's the deal. If you are a Shamite, more obedient-oriented following Jew, you went to uh, obedience-focused Jew. You went to the corners of the Roman world like Galatia, more backwoods, where you can do things your own way without Rome interfering or Hillel following Jews showing up and messing things up for your interpretation of the gospel. So to put some perspective on this, in the Mishnah, which is the Jewish oral tradition today, there are six quotes from Galatian rabbis, and none of them follow Hillel. They all follow Shemai interpretations of the Torah. So when the Gentiles hear the gospel in Galatia, and they are told by people like Paul and Barnabas, that as Theosebes, as God-fearers, God they are welcome at the table, and they are also full-fledged children in the family with an inheritance, the Jews in Galatia go absolutely bonkers. They they, the, the Shammai following Jews, they're like, absolutely not. That is not the way it works. So to get an idea of how this worked out in real time back then, we need to jump over to Acts 13 and look at a scenario there. Paul and Barnabas are in the southern region of Galatia in a town called Pisidian Antioch. After the service in the Jewish synagogue in this scripture, everyone's hanging out and talking. And the Jews there ask Paul and Barnabas to share and Paul jumps up and speaks, and he starts by saying, brothers, that's the first group, and you God-fearing Gentiles. That's the third group of the three. And just a little bit later, he says, brothers, children of Abraham, and God-fearing Gentiles. So he names these three groups, which are specific. So by the inclusion of those groups, by Paul, in this context, we know that all three groups are present in the crowd that day. And then Paul preaches this sermon. What does he preach it about? He preaches it about Jesus 
and his crucifixion and his resurrection. And when he's all done, the Jews' response is, they love it. They absolutely love it. I'm not even kidding. They love it. They beg him to come back the next week. And so he preached in this sermon all about Jesus, the crucifixion, the resurrection of Jesus, and they were like, we are in. We love this. This message is amazing. Come back next week. Let's see what happens. So if you flip to Acts 13 and start in verse 42, here's what it says. As Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further about these things on the next Sabbath. When the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. I want you to remember that, the, almost the whole city. When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. They began to contradict what Paul was saying, and they heaped abuse on him. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly, We had to speak the word of God to you first, since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life. We now turn to the Gentiles, for this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord, and all who were appointed for eternal life believed. The word of the Lord spread through the whole region, but the Jewish leaders incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. What we see in this section is the devout Jews and converts, they follow Paul and Barnabas after he preached. And the next week, the whole city, which is probably about six to 8,000 people, they show up to hear the gospel message. And if it's the whole city, it means they are primarily Gentiles in the crowd, mostly Gentiles. And so for perspective, here's what this is like. Let's just do a little mental exercise here. What if you showed up to church next week and the whole city is at church? There's no room for you. There's no parking. You can't get in the door. And maybe if you do get in, there's no more room for you inside. Like the seat that you normally sit in or whatever, it's taken. There's wall-to-wall -wall room, shoulder-to-shoulder uh, uh, -shoulder people. That's what I want you to imagine. And I think that's what happened here. And the text tells us in verse 45 that the Jews were jealous and they began to contradict Paul. And the question is, are they upset about the gospel message of Jesus? No. It's that these Theosebes are going to be in the family of God. And Paul says, hey, we started with you because the story of Jesus is a Jewish story, the Messiah. This is what God has been up to and waiting wanting to do through his people for forever. It's your gig as far back as Abraham. But they're ticked off at him. So he says this in verse 46. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly, we had to speak the word of God to you first. It's your story. It starts with you. Since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of what it says there for eternal life is olam hova. We now turn to the Gentiles. And olam hova is simply a Jewish way of saying, since you don't want to be a part of what God's doing, we're now turning to the Gentiles. So what is really going on here? This, for any of you out, who, out there who are not Jewish and consider yourself a follower of Jesus, this is the story of how you get into the family of God. It is how you and I have a seat at the table. And this, this is really important to understand because basically 
the Jewish Christians in Galatia are not welcoming to the Gentile Christians. They're like, look, this message about Jesus is awesome, but you still can't follow Adonai unless you fully convert to Judaism first. You need to get circumcised. You need to eat kosher. You need to follow the rules. And so Paul, he writes this fiery letter in the Bible. It's called Galatians. And that's the reason this letter is in your Bible. It is a letter written to the Jewish Christians there in Galatia. And he basically says, how dare you? What you're doing is not the gospel. The gospel is grace and you can't add anything to grace. The gospel means everyone has a seat at the table and your job is to go and tell the rest of the world about it. And the rest of the world includes God-fearers, theosebes. Now, listen, now that you know all of this background, it makes sense that this tension exists for them in the first century in Galatia. But in churches in the 21st century, especially here in America, we don't have this tension between Jews and Gentiles. It's completely different. No, totally not like us, right? Or is it? Because I think you and I, we, we struggle with the same gospel that the Jews in Pisidian Antioch struggled with. On one level, I think we love this gospel just like they did that says everyone's welcome at the table. Everyone should hear the good news and be free to put their faith in Jesus. And I think we love the gospel until, until there are too many of those people. Until there are too many of those people. And I think, I think those people is different for each and every one of us. It's different for me. It's different for you. We all have our those people, don't we? Maybe it's a citizenship status or an ethnicity, or maybe it's a political party. Maybe it's a certain group of people that hold a certain position about this or that. Yeah. Yeah. We all have our those people. And I think, I think we love the idea of the gospel going out to all of those people until there are too many of those people right up here, right up here in our face. And this is how I would summarize that. I think we're fine with the gospel until it messes with our comfort. You're probably fine with the gospel until it messes with your comfort, with your agenda, with your plan for controlling your life. We love the gospel until those people get in my spiritual bubble, stay out of my bubble. And I know this is true because I experience, and I love this gospel message and I love teaching about it. But if you put me in a room full of those people for me, then I get really uncomfortable and I don't like being uncomfortable. It's like we love the gospel until those people, until they show me that God doesn't just work for me anymore. Like he's not, God is not my employee anymore. And here's what, here's what I mean by that. I think we get in this faith thing. We get into this church thing, this belief thing. And when we're in it long enough, we get this, we fall under this false impression that God works for me. He's out to assist me with my life and my agenda. And then a group of those people comes in and reminds me that God doesn't work for just me. And instead, God is inviting me to partner with him in what he's up to in the world. And then it's at that point that we're like, dang it. I think we love the gospel and we love the idea of those people, the theosebes, those people coming and seeing what God is doing until it messes with where I can sit, until it messes with my comfortability, my seat gets taken. And truth be told, this is evidenced further by the fact that most Christians don't even invite Theosebes, their neighbors, to church 
or even to hang out with them during the week or over to their house, for instance. I mean, this is evidenced by so many people bouncing around between churches and not really taking the initiative to invite anyone to be with them in this community and learn how it is to be like Jesus. It's hard work, and it's more than even just inviting someone to church and go saying, yeah, I did that. I did that. It's showing up with your neighbors and going to their homes and inviting them into your, your sphere, into your bubble, even if it's uncomfortable. And it's not, it's not really a laughing matter. Apparently, we are not okay with the God-fearers, with the Theosebes coming in. Because you can't tell me where to sit. You can't make me scoot to the middle of the row to make more people on the end of the aisle. You know, Maybe you're hearing this or watching this and you are someone who thinks or knows that you belong to the group of those people. You're like, I am those people. I'm never included. And I want to tell you something if you view yourself in that group of those people. This gospel that Paul preaches about the love of Jesus, that he would go so far as to die for you, it is the gospel where there are no those people. There is only us. Anne Lamott says the most powerful sermon ever written is comprised of just two words. And it's these words. Me too. And I find myself challenged by these opening words of Paul in Galatians, where Paul says that he's astonished that we would turn away from this gospel. I'm astonished that we would forget where we came from. I'm astonished that we would forget the day that we were welcomed to the table for free. And that word astonished could essentially be translated as, how dare you forget? How dare you listen to this different gospel? If anyone preaches a different gospel other than this one, let him be eternally condemned is what he says. Yeah, that is in there. Verse 9. And that's tough. The truth is this. This passage is an indictment of us today as well. Because we, we sit squarely in the middle of this passage in our experience. As much as the original hearers of Paul that he was writing to, we sit squarely in the middle of it. And so that's the setup for what's coming in the next few weeks as we tackle this letter to the Galatians. I'm going to close this up right now. Uh, for today, and I simply want to leave you with some reflection questions to help you process. And here they are. What does this teaching mean for you? What do you hear in it? What is God telling you? Where is your heart for those people? Who do the Theosebes look like in your life? What does it mean to take the gospel and say, this is the gospel of me too? Would you pray with me? Father God, the gospel seems so sweet the day that it found us, no matter who we are, where we were. For those of us that heard it and it changed our life and it changed the course of our personal histories, whatever it was that happened that day, what a sweet, sweet sound that saved a wretch like me. God, we confess that after being in this family for a while, we begin to shape the gospel to our own ends and we begin to forget where we came from and that we were given a seat at the table for free. And I pray that we remember that the gospel, what you have always been up to, this good news, you wanted to bless all the nations, all people. There are seats for everyone at the table to have faith in your son, Jesus Christ. And I pray that you would remind us of that 
and that you would speak to us over and over again in that same sweet voice we heard the day that we found our own seat at the table. God, may we be thrilled to partner with you in what you're doing, and may we be committed to tell the world, everybody, everywhere, that they have a seat at the table. Make us people of the me too. And we pray all these things in the saving name of Jesus. Amen. Until next time, I'm Worth Wheeler for West Seattle Christian Church online. Stay rooted and deep in Jesus. Produce good fruit, my friends.